Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central podcast and a very happy new year to all of you guys who are listening. We didn't really record much in December, but you know, December is December, holiday season, all of that. So we all hope that you had a great holiday season and we're ready to start 2024 with a bang. I have two of my friends here, Andrew Myrick. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. And I have Namira Saud Fatmi here as well, all the way from Malaysia. Hello, hello. Hi, hello there. Okay, the reason I wanted to bring both of these individuals, these lovely individuals onto the pod today is because they individually wrote two articles that basically broke our traffic. And I think also triggered a lot of you guys <laughs> when you guys were reading. So we're gonna start off with what Numira wrote. The article she wrote, uh, which was published about three days ago, is titled, It Only Took Two Years for My Pixel 6 to Become a Complete Dumpster Fire. I genuinely feel that this article did well solely for including dumpster fire in the headline. Like, I genuinely think that was the case. Thank you for letting me use that. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about, like, walk us through this. I know before the holidays, this was an idea that was sort of, you know, spewing in your in your brain and you really wanted to talk about it. And basically, you were kind of expressing how you were just so fed up with your Pixel 6. Um, tell us what happened there and then why you wanted to write this article. So I am a huge fan of Pixel phones. This is something I feel like everybody should know because people keep telling me I'm a Pixel hater. I'm not. I love the Pixel UI, the everything about Google's phones. And I was so frustrated with the fact that my beloved Pixel 6 has turned into utter garbage in just the span of two years. I mean, it's unusable. The yeah. Bluetooth doesn't work. The touchscreen freezes. It it heats up like crazy. The camera just, uh, I can't even, I mean, it's insane. Okay, but did you, did you actually like, you know, go through any form of um, help, you know, with Google to try and get it fixed? Or like, when did you start seeing these issues, essentially? I would say the bulk of the issues got super bad, probably in the last six to eight months. And previously, you know, the Pixel 6 had issues. And Google is notorious for this, right? They'll release a phone and it'll have a bunch of glitches at launch. But eventually they'll, you know, roll out fixes and updates and you know, this is what keeps the phone alive and fresh. But with the Pixel 6, we were promised five years of updates and they're doing that. But where are the fixes? The fixes have stopped coming and people have stopped even, they have stopped addressing the issues. That's and I really felt like, yeah, we need to highlight that. So tell me about when you started writing this article and then when you published it, you were obviously getting a lot of responses from people what were some of the people saying to you in in their emails i generally got uh, almost like an even split 50 50 feedback i mean half of the people you know were super angry with me that no their pixels at six or six pro is working perfectly i'm wrong i'm using my phone wrong i don't don't even get me started yeah. and the other half there are people agreeing with me and telling me how they have been extremely fed up with their pixels. Even some people using the Pixel 7 that, you know, 
they're so disappointed with their Pixel phone, and they really did not expect Google to deliver something like this. Andrew, what did you think about? I, obviously, like I want to talk about your article in a bit. Um, but when you read this article, what were your thoughts specifically about the Pixel Six? But also, I think just in general, I'd like to know from both of you guys. Like, I don't know if if the right thought process is to say, are we surprised that Google did something like this? Because if I were to ask that question, I think both of you will say. No, we're not surprised that Google would do something like this. But I think I also kind of still want to ask that question because we have been seeing some instances where Google is being more helpful to customers and really trying to focus more on hardware and stuff. But I don't know. Is that the right question to ask? Like, are, are you guys surprised with Google? It's it's a it's a problem in the with everything, but specifically when with smartphones, uh, the recency bias in terms of like software is horrible. Um, it, it's kind of the same thing that we've been complaining about for years with software updates where, you know, it used to take a phone from, you know, last year, several, at least a year, at least another year, if not longer before it would see any kind of update let alone a security patch. Now Samsung's done a hell of a job in in breaking that narrative, even with its cheaper phones, because that's a whole another thing too. Where you know you get a phone for 150 bucks, 200 bucks from you know a local carrier or Walmart or whatever, you're never going to see a software update. You know Motorola is is notorious for that, and Samsung used to be, but it's now gotten to the point where um, Samsung finally figured out the stack how to properly update their phones, even if it's a little bit delayed, you know, compared to like the, you know, the late, you know, Android 14 drops, the S23 ultra has it, their S23 series has it within a week or two. And it might take another month or two before like the galaxy a, not the 54. Cause that was updated pretty quickly, but you know, the, those cheaper budget phones, it takes a little bit longer, but they end up getting the updates because you know, the pixel seven has problems that still aren't fixed or took forever to get fixed. And now the Pixel 8's out, which introduces a whole another set of, you know, potential problems that people might be experiencing. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second, but I wanna go back to Namera's article because, Namera, okay, so I, I'm gonna read the last paragraph because I think the, the last paragraph kind of sums up uh, quite a bit of your experience. So you you write, so what's the key takeaway of this experience? For me, it is now time to buy a new phone. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, naturally, I will choose one based on my past experiences. If I were to base my decision solely on the Pixel 6, 6's performance over the two years I've owned it, I would skip the Pixel 8, even if it is one of the best Android phones of today. As for Google, the takeaway for them is that if they keep failing to build phones that last they're going to lose loyal users. Needless to say, failing to retain your primary market is extremely foolish. Let's hope that more, two more years down the line, we don't see a similar article about how the Pixel 8 aged just as poorly. Um, great takeaway. That's awesome. But I also, I'm, I'm very curious to know what your thoughts are in terms of, well, if a person is experiencing this, what do they do? Uh, uh, if and if they're not in a position to be able to buy a new phone, what do they do? Well, if unfortunately my unit was imported from Japan, so I didn't have any kind of official warranty or anything, but I did try 
resetting the phone, cleaning it up, be careful about the apps that you use. And I am very careful about what I install on my phone because I have all of my financial apps. And, you know, I mean, we're all tech journalists. We're careful about what we put on our phones, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Did you know... Did, did you know Andrew? You have no idea how many apps I've downloaded no, from GitHub. No, let me tell you something. Andrew Andrew told me he once downloaded 150 beta apps. I'm not kidding you. I don't I don't even know if you still have 150 beta apps. Do you? I, I'm, I'm actually like looking it up right now to see what I have on my OnePlus open. It's, is it like one of those adrenaline junkie feelings for you, Andrew? You know? It's more of... I, so, it, it's like... Uh, <laughs> there's ooze like uh the squirrel like there's something new that i want to try out and then i download it and then i forget about it until i see it like a month from now because i've got so much stuff that i want to do that i just like there's not enough hours in the day on your primary device andrew would you do that yeah i have 316 apps installed <laughs> on my on my OnePlus open right now it's doubled i lied it wasn't 150 it was 300 that's great andrew excellent <laughs> i mean unlike, i mean that's what i would call a super heavy user right unlike andrew normal people who will not have 300 beta apps <laughs> but there's no. a lot of tricks that you can do right to freshen yeah. up your phone make sure yeah. the storage isn't full and we all know this, and I tried everything in the book. I tried everything except for reaching out to Google, which unfortunately I couldn't. Yeah. But for users who do have warranty, I would recommend, you know, reach out to Google, try to get it, you know, changed or fixed, mm. and maybe try to get another unit. But my question is, why should it have to come to that? You, I, and you, Okay, so here's the thing. I was literally about to ask a question or more like a statement and get you guys to respond to this. Why should it come to that? I think it, it goes back to something that we've spoken about so many times on this podcast. And I think Jerry, um, he's not here this week, but um, we'll ask his opinion once he comes back from the holidays. He's spoken about how... Google really doesn't care about its hardware lineup. Like you may think it does by because, you know, it releases all of these products and, you know, updates and stuff. But really, it for Google, it's about their software, right? That's where they make the bulk of their money. And they also make their, the bulk of their money from ads. Um, and so I, I think, you know, to answer your question, Namira, like I, I think that's the reason why, like, why nothing's happening because Google doesn't care. And I, I don't necessarily know if that's a good or a bad thing. I think, you know, more recently, I've kind of been thinking about how Google is, is not a company that wants to be the number one hardware company. I think it just wants to be the company that every other company looks towards to build upon, right? So they will provide the hardware that they think should be the standard. Um, and, and you can kind of follow suit or build upon that. Uh, they give you this, the software, you know, the, the OS, which is the base. Like, maybe the question is, should we even be talking about it? Like, do why do we care so much about what Google does? I think the answer to that is because no matter how angry we get, we know that they actually make really good phones. <laughs> like, the features are really good. The cameras are amazing. We love the UI. We care because we want to use these phones. They're good phones at launch, right? Well, not always at launch, but a little after launch. <laughs> but 
why should they turn to utter crap within yeah. a few years? Yeah. We invest our hard-earned money into them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I, I think this is a nice segue to talk about what Andrew wrote. Again, going back to what you wrote, Namera, in your article, you said, let's hope that two more years down the line, we don't see a similar article about how the Pixel 8 aged just as poorly. It's precisely the reaction that Andrew had in his article that was published literally a few hours ago before doing this podcast. The article is titled, If History Repeats Itself, the Google Pixel May End Up in the Graveyard. I I think when Andrew and I were sort of thinking about what, what he was going to write for his Beyond the Alphabet article, we were kind of... It, I mean, it's hard, obviously, that at the beginning of the year, there's not a lot going on. And, you know, I think there was this really great opportunity here to talk about your article, Namera. So, Andrew, why don't you break down what your article is about and how it kind of looks at the bigger picture of the Pixel lineup, but just hardware in general at Google? Uh, yeah, so... I. Basically, I took Namira's piece and like I didn't. I guess I put a spin. I mean, I put a spin on it. It was more so about you know Google. That there are reasons why the Pixel Six sucks and why why it sucks now, and there are reasons why the Pixel Seven, although they're different, still has problems, and like how the Pixel Eight more feels more like what the Pixel Six should have been. Um, and what it really, in my opinion, all boils down to is Samsung and the use of a basically customized Exynos chip with the Tensor. Um, all of the problems that Namir has experienced are the same problems that have been experienced by those. Um, you know, we don't have this problem here in the States in North America because Samsung uses Qualcomm chips. But if you go elsewhere, uh, a lot of the a lot of the flagship phones used to be um, Samsung Exynos SOCs instead of Qualcomm. And these same problems would crop up all the time. Um, it just didn't get as much attention here because that's not how, you know, if it's, if it's, it's, it's like trying to cover foldable phones here in the States, like you only think of Google, Samsung, and now OnePlus, but the reality is, is there's still 10 other brands, you know, releasing and working on foldable phones. I don't know if it's going to get any better anytime soon. Everything looks okay so far with the Pixel 8, but it's only been out for a couple of months at this point. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that Namira's Pixel 6 worked perfectly fine for the first, you know, however long, you know. Uh, yeah, and it, and it was great and everything. And then six months, a year down the line, your fingerprint scanner stops working. You can't connect to Wi-Fi. Bluetooth connectivity keeps dropping. All these all these problems start cropping up here and there. And I, I'm just hoping and I'm hoping that this this doesn't happen with the Pixel 8. Otherwise, Google's, you know, Google's not rumored to be moving to TSMC until the Pixel 10 next year, which means that this year we're still in for another the the Tensor G4 is probably going to be made by Samsung again. Um so it's just I don't know. And then on top of all of that, Google's promising seven years of software updates with the Pixel 8, and it's still five years of updates with the Pixel 6 and 7 and Fold. It's I feel like it's just headline grabbing. I And, and actually, I was going to ask you, you guys about that because, you know, Andrew, you, you pointed out in your article 
um, that Google is now offering seven years of software support. Um, how much of a difference will that? Okay, well, I guess it's two things. The first, obviously, it has a lot of this has to do with the chip, and you mentioned that. Um, but how much of a difference does the software update really uh, update really make? Because let's say let's say they were doing you know, those software updates on Namira's phone, she she clearly mentioned that they stopped caring about her phone. Like, were you getting software updates, Namira? Like, were those helping at all? I was getting updates, but the updates, like, as I said, in the last six to eight months, the updates just stopped helping. I think they made some things worse. <laughs> well, it also could be the, the case that the updates are meant for a newer chipset as opposed to the chipset that you have. But even then, that shouldn't be the case. Like they, I wouldn't, I couldn't see Google putting out a, uh, an update that would only be working for one chipset and not the other one, right? Like that doesn't make sense to me. But then I guess the, the other point to that is, you were saying, oh, the, the updates weren't really making a difference. And in fact, you thought that updates were making things worse. Will that end up happening with this quote unquote seven years of software support, especially now that the newer phones have newer chipsets? Do we think that that is going to happen? Do we think that a software update could potentially help users? I mean, at first, definitely the software updates would help, right? Maybe for the first two years, based on my current experience, but after two years, who's to say, and honestly, seven years, do you really see somebody seven years down the line in 2031 using a Pixel 8? I was literally thinking that. <laughs> I was literally thinking that. Like, it's obviously very clear that most people get rid of their phones three to four years, right? It's unreasonable to expect it to work like it did day one, but... It should still be functional, you know? If you're promising seven years of updates, it should be functional for those seven years. I think the standard should be four years. Like, I get seven years is awesome to announce, but I think at least four to five years should be the standard because the average turnover rate for an average user, we're not talking about people like you and I, but an average user, the, the average turnover rate for getting a new device is about three to four years. So having at least four years, four to five years of updates is good. Seven years, I think that's just honestly, Google just trying to show off, which is great. They can do what they wanna do. But even even in that circumstance, if, if updates stop working after two years, that to me is really scummy and problematic, I think. So I think it's, uh, the problem, we have Apple to blame for this for one. Apple's always to blame for everything, because, apparently. Well, yeah, but like, there, Samsung and Google have been chasing, and we've and we we collectively, not everybody, but we collectively in the Android space have been wanting, you know, every every software update from Apple, every iOS release, we there's there's headlines about how. You know, I don't remember what the, the most recent one was off the top of my head, but like the iPhone X is getting, uh, you know, iOS 16 or 17 or whatever. And that phone is like seven years old and it it doesn't run as well as it does on the 14 Pro or 15 Pro or what, 15 or whatever, but it, it still runs well. And that's what Google and Samsung are aiming for. The problem is that they don't follow through. And the software experience, if you pull up, you know, if 
you take a phone from a few years ago and compare it to an iPhone running the most recent versions, like most recent software versions, it's not, that's not the same experience as if you grabbed an S23 Ultra and an iPhone 15 Pro Max and compared them. The software experiences are pretty similar. iPhone is still ahead when it comes to those older devices. And this announcement from Google, it's just, I'm trying to figure out the right way to phrase it without just sounding like an idiot, but it's just lip service. We the problem the bigger problem is that we have to wait and see. It's too early to tell for any of this because this promise is great, but who knows if the Pixel is even going to be around in seven years? Mm-hmm. Well, do you think it's going to get Google's going to get rid of that lineup? I don't. I don't think so. I don't either. But I'm just saying it's Google. Like yeah, it's true. Fair. Something might happen. A new de- a new device category might come out, and they want to. You know, they they go back to the days of like, you know, the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5, where they get phones, they get hardware to get to get to get Android into the hands of people who who want that experience. But it's not going to compete with the Samsungs and the iPhones of the world. I was also I was going to mention, like, how popular are Google phones anyways? Like, they're not they're not popular. Like, if we're going to compare it to Samsung, which is obviously the number one Android device in the market right now. Um, like, are we making a big fuss about about Google and Pixel phones right now? Are we like, am I are we thinking too much about this? Like, I, I feel like the story would have been different if it was Samsung. No, like, I think we would. I think the difference here is that we know that Samsung would not fudge it up as to the level of Google. I mean, honestly, they're they're too big to fail, sort of. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes. Google just has these pet projects that it keeps playing around with. And like Andrew said, like, you never know. Yeah. Will they be there? Will they disappear? Will they get bored? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, I, I think the annoying thing, going back to what Andrew was saying, is we're not going to, like, it really, like, time will tell like we're not going to know until we get to a point where whoever has a pixel 8 or 8 pro begins complaining about issues that you're having namara similar issues and at that point we'll know how long it took for those issues to crop up but i guess we won't know until that time but anyways (laughs) how depressing On that note, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back, guys. If your business earns millions or tens of millions of revenue, stop what you're doing and take a listen because NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out the best offer we've seen. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make better decisions faster. And for the first time in NetSuite's 25 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. That's no payment and no interest for six months, and you can take advantage of this special financing offer today. NetSuite is number one because they give your business everything you need in real time, all in one place to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity across every department. Over 36,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. 
If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know this deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of the special financing offer at netsuite.com android. netsuite.com android to get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. netsuite.com android. Okay, I want to talk about an article that Michael wrote. I wish Michael was here to talk about it, but he's not. He's, he's, uh, I mean, he's in, he's still around. It's just, it's super early for him. It's um, 10 a.m. right now that we're recording this, which means that it's about 7 a.m. his time. So he obviously isn't up to talk about this with us, but that's okay because we're going to talk about it on his behalf. Um, So the article that he wrote is called Only One Android Phone Could Tempt My Partner to Switch from an iPhone. I love this article. I think it's super interesting and fascinating. Um, Essentially, what Michael did was he... um, was able to get his hands on a Motorola Razor Plus and let his partner experience using that phone. Um, I believe she is a long time slash long term iPhone user. And for a while, she was kind of seeing a lot of people using foldables. She thought it was interesting, but she didn't really know what she wanted to use or, you know, she, she just didn't really know where how to go about it. And so, um, she, I guess Michael decided to get her the Motorola Razor Plus and she spent quite a few weeks with using the phone, uh, over the holidays. And she gave quite an interesting verdict. Um, she basically said that Google made the transition really easy, which is, um, which makes sense. Part of the article kind of details how, you know, in the past, um, versions of, of Google phones were not that easy to, to switch over to. They weren't as simple, but I think now when you're trying to switch over to a phone that is Android based, it is a lot more easier. Um, it is, it's just a seamless transition. I think the other thing too is, um, you know, the charging capabilities were, were, were good. Um, I, it's it's nice to hear her say that you know foldable phones are really cool. Um, it is true, you know. Michael writes how Apple and Google are sort of. It's it's either Google or Apple. Like there is no in between. And so when you come up with a foldable phone or when you see a foldable phone, it's it's really fun to experience. And obviously, we know Apple does not have a foldable device yet. And there are only Android-based foldable phones right now. So she did spend a lot of time with it. Um, she also expressed how she spent a lot of time with the cover screen. If you guys aren't aware, the Motorola, Motorola Razor Plus, I believe last year was the first full flip, f- flip fold device that had a larger uh, front screen um, where you can actually do things. And she basically said she liked the automatic outer to inner app transition um, and the option to quickly check DoorDash ch- tracking or other cursory updates while it sits on her desk was was good. But she also wished that the phone did a better job of walking her through what she could actually do with the cover screen. And she found that um, the small versions of apps like Calendar and Instagram felt awkwardly cramped to the point that now she just opens the phone fully. Um, I think 
I think overall this this article was just definitely a very interesting experience and experiment to put on any iPhone user. Her final verdict was when Michael asked her two questions. The first question was, would you, would another Android phone with better battery life tempt you to switch? Because I think one of the things that she felt was a problem with, with her, with her Razer Plus was it, it just fizzled. Like the battery kept dying. So obviously he asked her that question. Would another Android phone with better battery life tempt you to switch? And the second question he asked her was, would you choose a future hypothetical iPhone flip over a standard iPhone Pro? Her answer to both questions were no, which I found very interesting. So not only is she not interested in another phone that had better battery life, but she's also not interested in an iPhone flip, which I thought she would be, um, considering she is a long-term iPhone. I find that so, it's super intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Like what, what is it? You know, I thought, I thought as an iPhone user, you'd want, you know, if you're, if you're more, if you're comfortable using an iPhone, then the transition to using a flip phone or a foldable phone, if it was made by Apple would be more intriguing. I don't know. That is so interesting to me. Maybe because we haven't had a taste of what iOS could even look like on a foldable. Everything so far has been Android, right? Maybe that's why as, even as a loyal iOS user, she can't really picture it. And since she can't envision it, perhaps it's just not attractive enough. Yeah. I want to just read the last two paragraphs of this article because <clears throat> I think it also sums up this article very well. The final answer is her ideal smartphone hasn't come out yet and may not ever. It's a hypothetical Motorola Razr Plus 24 with similar specs, a vibrant design and a major battery boost or a software change to how the cover screen works that would make idling battery drain much less of an issue. With that, she says she'd happily consider leaving her iPhone 12 Pro behind. For now, she's stuck languishing with an older phone, not wanting to upgrade to another boring iPhone 15 Pro, but unsure if future foldable flip phones will deliver the proper experience and battery life to live up to her nostalgia. Again, super interesting. So she's not only not interested in existing foldable devices that are there right now, but she's also bored of what Apple has to offer right now, which again, we've talked about this. I think, Andrew, you've expressed how boring Apple designs have been recently. There has been nothing new that, that has come out. What, what what can we say about this experience? So as much as I give Samsung crap, um, I wonder if she if Michael's partner would have the same feelings if she had tried the Galaxy Flip. Mm. Because re- like re- in in reality, a lot of people who go from iPhone to Android, it's usually to Samsung. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't have hard numbers on that, but you know, Samsung's market cap is or market share is, is what it is for a reason. And they even ate into Samsung even ate into some of Apple's market share over I think over the holidays. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but there was a report that came out saying uh, recently saying Samsung gained some of the the market share back uh, over the course of last year. Um, so I, I I wonder if her ex, if her experience would be different with Samsung. Not to say Motorola's phone is bad. I haven't tried it myself. Uh, I haven't even seen it in person, um, but. When from what I with the people that I know, the the non techies or you know, it's it's usually Samsung or Apple, and 
I want, I just, it makes me wonder if it would be different because uh, Motorola software is pretty bare for the most part. It's kind of like a, the last I, I used one, it was kind of like pixel experience with a splash. Samsung does a good job at adding usually too much, but adding extra stuff to, to make it enticing. Do you know, I just add something here. I mean, it's really interesting that you bring up the fact that maybe if she used a competing brand, she will feel like it was a lot more interesting, but this is the story in the North American side of the world. Mm. But you know, if you, you move over to Asia and we have so many exciting, amazing foldables, you even have budget foldables now, the techno flip, the V flip. I mean, I wonder, I'm so curious if she were to try Xiaomi's foldable or it, the flip factor, if she wanted to try the Oppo, uh, I forgot, what's it called again? The, the, the flip fine, one. The fine, fine N3. Fine N, is it? Fine N3. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I really wonder if she would find that more attractive. I mean, the selection of devices available in North America is already quite stale at this point, I would say. To answer, to to slightly answer that question, not maybe not fully, because Michael kind of does write about this very briefly in his article, and I think this would this would be a good opportunity for us to expand on it. He writes, um, "We live we live in in Apple and Google's backyard, Silicon Valley, which means we mostly see people with iPhones with a few Pixel 8s and Galaxy S phones mixed in. We just don't see many foldables around here and probably won't until the iPhone flip finally shows up. So even though folks reading this site might be may be familiar with the Galaxy Z Flip 5 or OnePlus Open, a lot of everyday folks aren't even cognizant of this new wave of tech, which made the Motorola Razor Plus an exciting novelty to my partner. That almost answers or kind of reads into your, your thought there, Namira, that not only are we not, you know, aware of so many of these other brands because they're not available in North America, but I think just in general, the the market saturation in North America is so limited uh, in terms of different brands, different products. And um, Michael lives in California, which is very much of a, of a tech-centric, obviously, state in the U.S., but probably also more heavily leaning towards an iPhone um, and probably a reason for why a lot of people don't even know some of the phones. So when you pick up a Motorola Razor Plus, it's actually a not, it, it's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a novelty. It's not something that you see often. It's, it's a unique phone. Um, people are not seeing them when you go out, let's say you go to the mall, you go grocery shopping, what phones are you seeing? Yeah. It's either a Samsung or an, an, an iPhone most of the time. hundred percent. Right? And I mean, when I went to Korea for Unpacked last year, obviously it was South Korea. So everyone's going to use a Samsung phone, duh. But everyone was using a flip. Like, I'm not even kidding. I saw more flip phones than I saw a regular S23 device. Like, I, I it was it was insane. It's oh. so amazing because it's the same thing here. I literally saw the oldest cutest little Chinese auntie. I mean, she was so old <laughs> the other day. <laughs> she was adorable. And she was using a flip phone. Amazing. It was amazing. So 
here here's something um Shruti, i'm not gonna write about this uh, you i might get you to <laughs> so i'm i'm a you, you could try uh i'm a big advocate for foldables like book style one plus open galaxy fold five you those have kind been. of foldables you have um, been i will think and this might just be because i haven't had enough sleep i think i would probably prefer a iphone flip mm, why is that uh, I don't think Apple can do big screens correctly. Um, because of the iPod? Yeah, but it would take a, it would, yeah, basically. It would be a, it would be a massive undertaking um, for them to redesign iOS to work properly with not just a foldable, um, but one that folds out and offers what the, like what something like a Fold Five or Oppo, uh, the the I'm sorry, OnePlus Open offers, uh, unless the only the only the only hang up that I might have is if they made like a Surface Duo style foldable, uh, uh-huh. where there's no outer cover screen, it just opens up into two screens and like one big desktop. Yeah, um, that might be the only thing. But if they they're not going to do that to start out, Apple's going to do if 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 and or when Apple makes a foldable, it'll be a flip phone first. I disagree with you on that. I, there's no way. There's absolutely zero way that an iOS can work on a on a uh, on on a book style foldable. I agree. I fully agree. But they're not going to do that. The reason why they're not going to do that is the same reason why. Um, it's the same reason why OnePlus did not launch a flip phone first. They launched a, a foldable. There's more more of an opportunity to make money back with a foldable device, like a fold versus a flip. And almost every one of these big companies recognize that. There is more of an opportunity to make your money back. Money is more important to these companies. So if Apple does see, and here's the thing, I agree with you, I would not want, I still do not like foldables. I I do not, I know you love it, but I do not see. She doesn't like the plastic on on the inner display. She thinks it's tacky. The reason why I don't like foldables is because it's freaking cheap. It it feels cheap. It's like you're spending so much money for a phone that feels cheap. I still think it's amazing. It's freaking cool. I've played with a foldable phone. I love it. I think it's amazing, but I would not be able to stand that screen. But besides that fact, I, if I were to get a foldable phone, I would get a flip. I, I like flips. I think flips are cuter. They're fun. I do not have the same level or necessity for a fold like like you do uh andrew which i i think that makes complete sense but i also agree with you that if apple were to release a a foldable device it would have to be a flip because they're they don't have the os capabilities to have a a really seamless uh, experience on a fold device versus a flip device but i don't think that's what apple will do from a marketing and a money standpoint, they're not going to do that. I disagree with that because like all of the marketing that we've seen from Samsung over the holiday, we just got out of the holiday period where, you know, everybody's trying to get you to spend your money. So many commercials for the flip for the for the Galaxy Flip 5 like that's people aren't buying the folds as much. Yeah, there's more market. Uh, there's more um, yeah, money to be made. That's not the word. But I'm- that's the thing that I 
I agree. And I had the same thought as well. And when I, when I, I can't remember which company I had asked that question. I think it was Samsung or it could have been another one. I can't remember. The question I asked was why focus on your fold as opposed to your flip? And the immediate answer was there was more of a market to sell our foldable devices. And that makes me think that it has to do with money. I agree with you, dude. But the, I fully but the do. IPhone isn't the iPhone. Okay, outside of speaking as a power user of smartphones, <laughs> the, the the normal person doesn't care about the fold. I they don't care about folds. Andrew, I agree. But, but I, there's an opportunity to for business customers. I feel like I want to say something here. Okay, go. That- <laughs> Break us apart. You guys are so help. <laughs> yeah, like please don't hate each other. Don't hate me, okay? Okay. Hot take, but I think the fold could be really good. Okay. Now imagine an iPad Pro that folds in half and goes in your pocket. Namira, that's literally my dream. Don't and it's don't never tempt gonna him. happen. Don't don't it's don't never tempt gonna him. Happen. Don't tempt don't tempt Andrew, please. <laughs> Anyways, the point is. is that maybe I think what both of you guys are saying is like valid in the sense that maybe uh, Michael's partner would have had a completely different experience circling back to that the article that we were talking about would have had a completely different experience should she have tried a Samsung device or any other device that was available in the market and uh, I do want to make one comment uh, circling back to Namira's point about um, like trying out a Xiaomi phone or Vivo or anything like that. I I reviewed the Vivo X Fold 2 and X Flip. um, I think that's what they're called last year. Uh, My biggest problem is the software. And like Chinese ROMs in the US don't work great. It's not really like a very, it works, but it's not the same level of experience that you would have with a Samsung, like a foldable. and I think that, that while the hardware is probably way better than, I mean, it is better from Xiaomi and, and others over what Samsung's offering as proven by the, yeah, like the OnePlus Open, which is basically a, re, which is a rebranded Oppo Find N3. I, it's, the hardware is such a delight, but I, but the software is, it, it could, it could end up having the same problem if not turning Michael's partner off completely because there are so many quirks where you'll go into the settings app looking for something, even though your phone's in English, you'll get to the settings page and everything's in Chinese. Like I've had, I had that issue with both the fold to the Vivo fold Two and the flip phone where I would get somewhere trying to figure something out. And I would either have to create a Vivo account to do anything or the, uh, the settings page would be in Chinese and it doesn't, translate is that phone available in north america it's not though no 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 no. i was just that's why i was building off of what namira said about like xiaomi and stuff because the the vivo the vivo's hardware is also really 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 good like way better than samsung's um but the software is really like the the achilles heel for all that kind of all that kind of stuff yeah it's super fascinating when when we get that opportunity to look at all of these other devices coming out of China. And I don't know, I think, I think it's just a a real, it's, it's really unfortunate that we don't, 
get access or I mean, it's not that we don't, uh, we, we, you can easily get those phones if you wanted to, but, um, for them to really be functional and for them to really work on the network in North America is a bit challenging. Yeah. You got to make sure it works on the right bands and you you might not have 5g. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but I mean, say lovey. I just think it's really fascinating that she wouldn't go for a flip phone though. That, that, that's the part that really, I was like, Oh, okay. Cause I, I would have thought she would have gone for one, but I guess, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe she needs to try a fold, like a fold four or a fold five, you know, cause it's got the super slim cover display. And then it opens up into a tablet. Yeah, maybe. I also wonder if the reason why she's saying no now is because Apple hasn't really marketed the idea of releasing a flip. Because I think that was something that we've talked... They're not going to. I'm not saying that they are, but I'm just saying I think that's something that we've talked about before, which is... You know, if Apple were to say, oh, you need this, then people will be like, oh, I need this. You know what I mean? Like, they'll be like, oh, here's a new whatever product and you really need it because it'll it'll go well with your suite of devices. Then people who are in the Apple, you know, world are going to be like, oh, I really need that device. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if Apple were to come out and say, oh, you need a flip because they believe that the flip is is awesome, then people are going to want that phone. And I wonder if her opinion will change then. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of what we're seeing with the vision pro Apple's been, they keep mentioning it every once in a while, like in press releases and stuff, but yeah. the vision pro is a $3,500 device. Whereas the quest three is yeah, a eighth of that price. Yeah, for sure. And they're not going to, Apple's not going to, you're not going to see a bunch of commercials for, you know, the vision pro at least. And you won't until they, if they make a, like a cheaper version. For sure. I agree. All right. Well, on that note, I'm glad we talked about that. I wish Michael could, could give us some answers, but you know what? Next time we'll, we'll ask him when he's on the pod, some of those answers. Um, with that being said, let's talk about the things that made us happy. I'm not going to say this last week. I'm going to say the last month because a lot has happened in the past month. So what has made you happy in the past month? Who wants to go first? I got a Quest 3 before the end of the year. Oh, cool. Um, and because of... Um, work and home and and life i haven't messed with it as much as i want to but i did take some time um i jumped in with nick nick Sutrick, uh for Fun. those who don't know we played a round of um oh man what is it called he's gonna kick my butt it's like walk walk with me it's mini golf in vr but we Fun. played together we played a round or two together and it was like okay yeah this makes sense now <laughs> like, because Michael had sent me his original Quest a while ago, and I played with it for a while, but it it's bulky and annoying, and uh, it's big. And this is just not the Quest Three is is not. And I and I keep messing around with the different, trying to find different apps. You know, there's ways to uh, play Steam VR games, so I'm starting to get into starting to get into that. Uh, and I'm my next goal is to try and figure out how if I can like spend a day working from a Quest headset. Cool, that would be really fun. Uh, but yeah, so I've been you know that and uh, the the various handheld gaming things that I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. love it. Okay, Namari, your turn. Um, what made me happy this month? Well, I took a really really nice long vacation, a whole week. 
went away, just me and the husband. <laughs> we went to KL, so that was super nice. Went to where? And Kuala Lumpur. Uh, Kuala Lumpur. Oh, okay. I've never heard of that. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. It's the capital city of Malaysia. Um, oh, okay. Like, um, two hours away. Yeah. It's really lively. We spent New Year's Eve there. Super nice Christmas Eve. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. That's so wonderful. Um, what did my, I mean, a lot of things made me happy this past month. Uh, you know, I finished 43 books in 2023. God. How do you have time? I don't know. I'm a really regimented person. It's crazy, but it's been what a what a privilege. I mean, I read so many different authors, so many different genres of books. I really feel grateful and privileged that I got to do that. Uh, and I hope this year is going to be as fulfilling. But apart from that, I um, did a few other things. Like on Christmas Eve, I made... Christmas Eve was actually probably my favorite day. We spent... The morning watching my favorite holiday movie which is the holiday surprise surprise but it oh, is really, no. it's one of my favorite movies it brings back a lot of good memories but we had the christmas tree on our jiggy was with us and then for dinner i made fresh homemade fettuccine pasta um and fresh pesto and it was just oh my gosh that was my first time making pasta and it was really fun and yeah i don't know i think i i would agree with namira like it was really nice to have a really nice break uh, from work and to get back into the swing of things and just shut my brain off. I'm really grateful I had that opportunity to do it. But I don't um, know what that's like. <laughs> we got we got to got to get you to learn to take breaks yeah. this year. Yeah, well, there's there, there's something there's a little bundle of fun coming next month that's going to really make sure that that never happens. Well, let's let's hope enjoy it, sleep while you yeah. have it. Enjoy I'm not sleep while you have anyways. it. <laughs> <laughs> also, Namira, don't feel bad about reading only 10 books because I read zero books last year. I can't even tell you the last time I read a book from beginning to end. Okay, so I'm like a speed reader. There was this one summer where I read 300 books. Holy cow. What? Three- <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 wait. In a year really or a shameful. summer? In a summer. So oh like three goodness. months. Oh, man. Well, I hope I can get to that level of wonderfulness that you experienced Samira but one day one day we we shall see but apart from that um we're really sorry that we weren't consistent in December guys we sometimes we need breaks too I literally got a message on Twitter slash x whatever you want to call it these days uh someone being like how are you guys switching the podcast to once a month no we're not we're back to schedule guys okay we just needed a break give us a break okay with that being said Wherever you're listening to us, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, or night, thank you so much for taking the time and listening to us. We truly, truly appreciate it. And with that, we'll catch you guys real soon. Bye.